Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. I want you to know that God is peaceful in your crisis. Maybe you're in one right now. Maybe you've had one of those days or maybe you've had one of those months or one of those years or one of those decades and you still don't feel like you are seeing your way clear and you've prayed daily, hourly, and you're still hoping for an answer that looks exactly like the answer that you want. And yet you're probably still praying, not my will, but your will be done. So God bless you in that moment. But we are in our Red Word series, and my guest today is Lori Short. And we're going to talk about three passages, and they're all in her book called Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing, 30 Biblical Insights About the Way God Works. Lori, welcome. Thank you, Bill. It's great to be here. It is so nice to have you on. And let's jump right in. I know there's a passage in Matthew 8 that's going to give us a starting point today. Yes. Well, just to frame the chapter, I'm so excited about your Red Letter series because I think we can learn so much yeah. from Jesus about God. And yeah. that really is what this chapter is about. Yeah. And according to me, it's very popular. <laughs> Good. Yeah. That's what I've been told. <laughs> well, the two of us, at least, yes, you know, think yes. it's Yes. <laughs> that's absolutely. Good. Okay. But uh, yeah, so I think these three stories show us so much about God by the way that Jesus is in these passages. And the first one in Matthew 8, which is also in Mark 4, but I use the one in Matthew 8, is the famous story of Jesus in the boat with the disciples when the storm begins and Jesus is taking a nap. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, Bill, but I often feel that God is napping when I don't see what he's doing, or I've had a prayer that I've been praying so long, I wonder if he's even hearing me. And I love this picture of God because I think so many of us feel that sometimes. Yeah. And what, of course, the disciples discover, first of all, I point out that Jesus isn't on the shore watching from afar. He's in the boat. So he's actually in the crisis with them. But the fact that he's napping shows us something about the way he feels about the crisis, or at the very least, his power over the crisis. And that's what I explore in this story. Um, First of all, we can't see God's power over a storm unless we're in the storm when it takes place. Even though none of us like to be there in the storm, we only can see something new about God when we are in that storm. But I love the fact that Jesus is with the disciples. He gets in the boat with them, even knowing that the storm is going to take place. And I love that. And Lori, what is Jesus uh, laying on at this time in the in the boat? Uh, well, that's a great question. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he's in the bow, right? He's in the bow and his head's on a pillow. 
on a cushion. Oh, that's he's, he's that's a, right. He's got his head that's on a, right. Head on a cushion. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he's just making himself comfortable yes, right there is. in yes. the storm. <laughs> and as many people know about the Sea of Galilee, storms came in and out quite rapidly. So it's likely that the disciples didn't even see the storm coming. And then all of a sudden they're out there and there they are. And this crazy, it's just the way the passage describes it. There's water up and over the boat and here's Jesus napping. They have to wake him up. I can't even imagine how they felt doing that. Like, mm -hmm. why? how can you even be sleeping right now? And then of course, when he does awaken, he he says, you have little faith. Mm -hmm. And their faith is about to get an upswing in this boat because he then speaks to the wind and the waves. For the first time, they see him addressing nature and mm -hmm. addressing a power that is way beyond even doing healings that other people have done. You know, they realize that they're in the boat with somebody much greater than they thought they were. And of course, that's what Jesus does is he calms the storm. But what I talk about in this story is that Jesus doesn't always take the storm away. Sometimes he does. Sometimes God answers our prayer and whatever it is we've prayed for happens. But other times what we prayed for maybe doesn't happen and we're in a very dark season, mm -hmm. but God is with us in it. And our peace, as Jesus describes in this passage, doesn't come from the circumstances changing, but from God's presence with us in our circumstances. And I love that G Jesus really shows us that God is not aligned with our circumstances. And I think that's how we feel when we're going through hard times. Why are you doing this to me? Mm -hmm. Why is this happening? But in fact, God is with us over and against the circumstances that are happening around us. Yeah. This story, uh, Lori, is so great. And, I, and I've thought about this a lot because you know what it's like when you're on a plane and you're 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 dozing off just a little bit maybe. And then the right. plane the plane hits some turbulence and there isn't anyone who's awake. I mean who's still sleeping at that point. Everyone's awake. Right. Yes. Yes. Everyone. And so we're all and we're all trying to fake it, like, oh yeah, we've been through this many times before. <laughs> but we're all gripping the sides of the arms. Oh, I was just in a plane where that was happening. Yeah. It's true. And suddenly you're very invested in knowing how the pilot's doing. Yes. I always think about like, I wonder how many times he or she has done this, you know, and yeah. uh, how they're feeling up there in the cockpit. Who's yeah. in control, right? Who's it's in not control? Us. Yeah. But then I've also thought if if this boat is being thrown around, how was Jesus able to stay asleep? And then I thought, was the storm coming and was it was it going to be bad? And it wasn't quite bad yet because I just don't know how Jesus stays asleep when there's that much uh, that much turbulence in the water. I know it's amazing to think about, and yet I'm so glad that illustration is there because oh, I do think it's how we feel. We just are, where are you? Why are you feeling like, you know, it's you're asleep in right. my crisis right now? And so I think that these stories about Jesus give us so many clues about some of the things that we go through with God. I love the reminder that Jesus, the son of God is on this boat. So there's no way this boat's going down. I know. 
I know. That's so true. And you know, what we just went through on Sunday morning is that even if we face death, even if we face a diagnosis that's going to end this life, he's still in control and that's still not the end. You know, and I, I just love this idea of what is it like to live resurrection faith, to know that our God has conquered even death, which is the very worst that can happen to mm-hmm. us. Lori Short is my guest, and we're in our Redwood series. So we're in Matthew chapter eight, and we're talking about God being peaceful, which he is illustrated so beautifully in Matthew chapter eight, how in the midst of the chaos of this storm, Jesus was sleeping. And I'm real curious if you feel like you are in a crisis yourself right now. I'm just not saying you're having a bad day, but maybe you're in what you would call a significant crisis in your life. So maybe you just need somebody to pray for you. Maybe you can let us know uh, how we can help, how we can pray, how we can try to give you help, get you God's peace in time of crisis. If you want to text it over to me, let me know what it is you're struggling with and how we can help, how we can pray for you. The number is 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. You never have to go through any storm alone. You've got the body of Christ, brothers and sisters that love you and care about you and want to walk through life's journey with you, even if it's just a radio host that says, "I we want to pray for you. Because Rosie and I and Lori would be happy to pray today mm-hmm. if you're in the middle of a crisis and you just feel like today you need some help. And I get that. So again, the number is 877-933-2484. Uh, Lori, I appreciate your vulnerability when you say that there's times in your life where God just seems asleep or absent. And mm-hmm. I know that's everybody's story. Yes. Well, I certainly have gone through many, many times in my life when things are happening that are not what I wanted or what I planned, or I'm in a long, long season of waiting or a long season of pain and loneliness. And all of those times to recognize this story teaches us that God is with us even in those times when we feel like he might be asleep. And I do love the fact that that Jesus wasn't on the shore going, go on ahead and I'll you know take care of you from here, which is so often how we feel. No, he was in the boat with them. I do like your pointing out the fact that his head was on the pillow, though. Somehow he found a way to relax in the <laughs> yeah. middle of this crisis. And I do think it's because, I mean, as we just witnessed all last week, what he went through, it's not like he's uncaring even though it might appear that way. And the story certainly illustrates that. It's that he knows and has experienced the pain that we go through and is with us in it. But what he is illustrating is he is beyond, his power is beyond the crisis. He, he, this crisis, whatever it is you are facing is well inside his care and command. So, Laurie, let me take a break. When we come back, let's chat more about Matthew 8 and maybe talk about the way Jesus kind of scolds the weather, takes care of business. I love that. And I know the disciples would have been amazed at that command because that's something that comes out of Psalm 89. So we come back, we'll continue that discussion. Laurie Short is my guest. We'll be right back. 
So here you are at the podcast. Maybe even somebody sent this to you because you had a conversation with them about your faith. And over the Easter time, you had some questions and you wondered, huh, I think I have not paid enough attention to my faith life and I want to know more. So if you'd like to know what it means to begin a personal relationship with Christ or you have questions about it, you can just text the word FAITH to 41224. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. We're back in our Red Word series, so if you have a red letter... Uh, Bible, it would be the words in red. Those would be the words of Jesus. And if we are talking today to Lori Short, and we're in Matthew chapter 8, and it is when Jesus calms the storm in verse 26. Pretty much pretty, pretty much says he just scolded the weather, Lori. What's your take on that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you know, that part's not in red, so we don't know exactly what he said to the wind and the waves. We know what he said to the disciples, though. You of little faith, why are you afraid? Just before he does it. But I love the choice of words, that he rebuked the wind and the waves. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about that uh, and watching that, and then watching the wind and the waves respond to Jesus must have completely shocked the disciples. And I in in Psalm 89 verse 9 it, it says you rule over the majestic sea when the waves surge you calm them. So the disciples would have known that only God can do that. That's right. That's right. They left that encounter with a huge upgrade on who their teacher now was in front of them. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. Yeah, because you do ask the question, who who is who is this person that can say that and produce this result? Exactly. There's only one person that can do that. That's yes. remarkable. Yeah. It's so funny to watch the disciples throughout the gospels, how they're getting more and more clues. I don't know if you're watching The Chosen, but I just love what uh that show does too in terms of humanizing this experience, because I love thinking about what they must have thought, you know, each of these crazy stories that they're a part of, and how their picture of Jesus, it's almost like a puzzle coming together as they're putting more and more and more together until the end. But then he shocks everybody by submitting to going to the cross. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, you never know what he's going to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lori Short's my guest, and we uh, are in the, our Red Word series. She's also written a book called Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing, 30 Biblical Insights About the Way God Works. And some of the things we're discussing today is in Chapter 8, if you're interested. Um, and a text just came in, Lori, I have breast cancer, and we'll be having a, a big surgery April 27th. I've been calm until this week. Hmm. I have anxiety as I prepare for this. I know Jesus is with me. Just uh, prayers for peace, comfort, and good outcomes are greatly appreciated. Mm. Yes. Well, I, you know, we all know that those times, it, it, God's peace comes over us, and then all of a sudden the anxiety comes, and it's like the Roman 7 wrestling match of our flesh and our spirit and what we know to be true and the very real 
uh, fears that we feel. So, I mean, I'd love to pray with you, Bill. I don't know if you want me to pray or. Uh, yeah. Um, her name is Patty. Okay. So Lord, we, we lift up Patty to you right now. And I just have this picture of Patty in the boat with the disciples and sometimes feeling like you are asleep. And yet the fact that you are asleep indicates that you are at peace. But the bigger truth that I pray that Patty feels right now is that you're with her in this boat of cancer, that you're with her. And God, we pray that you would take her through all that she needs to go through to get to healing. That's our prayer. We pray for her healing. But most of all, I pray for the peace that comes that is unexplainable by having your presence with us. And I pray for that for Patty right now. Mm. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus, the, the Jesus who can stand up and calm the wind and the seas and the weather. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Laurie, let me, not to embarrass you, but let me read something right out of your book, word for word, because I love this. Mm. It says, this is the first account from Jesus's life that exposes the direct connection between God and Jesus. Prior to this, Jesus had healed, taught, and driven out demons, but commanding the weather took the disciples' understanding of his power to a new height. The disciples now knew they were in the presence of God. And the humble package God had come in, took them, and many others by surprise. Yeah. And the disciples were terrified, while the Gospel of Matthew says they were amazed by him. And those words yeah. are interchangeable, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. So, and I do think when when Jesus says, you of little faith, uh, that he's pretty much saying to them, when we leave this place, your faith is going to be more than little. <laughs> you know, I think that they had a, a certain faith, but it grew mm-hmm. that day. Yeah. So. Lori, can God lead us into crisis or does he lead us into crisis? Well, it's interesting. This passage seems to indicate that, that Jesus, if he was God, knew the storm was coming. And yet he's the one that said, Let's get in the boat. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but you know, as I said at the beginning, we don't know God's power over a storm unless we're in the storm when it takes place. I mean, we can know about it, we can hear about mm-hmm. it in other people's lives or in these stories that we're reading, but we don't know it by experience unless we actually experience the storm. That's the part we don't want to go through to get to the place of knowing God in that way. But that is what drives our faith deeper. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is obviously under the, the same threat you talk about in your book that the disciples were in the storm, and yet he That's found right. a chance to nap. He was even a little nonchalant because he's, he's in, the, in the hall sleeping. And by watching his peace, you say, we can find our own. That's encouraging. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, see, he knew that he had the power, and I think that's why he was able to sleep. Mm -hmm. But by watching him and what he did and what we know about him, we can have that same faith and that same peace. But I, if anyone else out there is like me, it goes in and out because of the very real 
flesh experience that we have being here on this earth mm-hmm. and going through what we do. So, Lori, when Jesus told the disciples, you have little faith, what message was he sending? Well, I think he was saying, I'm about to grow it. It, it sounds condescending, honestly, Bill, you know, you have little faith. Yeah. But they they did have little faith at that point. They knew he was a teacher and a healer, and they obviously knew enough about him to follow him. But I think their faith wasn't as big as it was going to get. And so in a sense, it was littler than it was at the end of this passage. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, Lori, you say in the book, which I think is quite profound, is that, and I'll just quote it, through this story, we see that the peace we have does not come when the crisis is removed. It's available to us while the crisis is happening. And that's exactly what we're praying for Patty and others out there who are in the middle of some kind of crisis. Because when you receive a surprise diagnosis or a terrible news that Mm -hmm. happens all the time, in that crisis, with God with you, there is a sense of peace. There can still be some fear that comes in, but you have that peace of knowing that you are not in this alone. God is with you in it. Mm -hmm. And there is a mysterious peace that we all have experienced if we've gone through it. And and many people I know who are listening probably have this mysterious peace that comes over you when you're in the middle of something like that. Mm-hmm. Lori, when you were in a period of crisis or uncertainty or not doing well, and people said to you, don't worry, Lori, God is in control, was that comforting or did that sound cliche to you? Frankly, I think it sounds a little bit superficial when you're in the middle of it. If somebody's being like Job's friends, uh-huh. <laughs> with all the answers, and I mean, it's a lot easier to be an audience of somebody than to be in it. But I do think it's truth. I just think that sometimes we might need to allow our friend or person who's going through it to experience it and tell us about it what they're going through rather than us telling them what they should be feeling and to pray. I'm actually, the next story talks about friends and, and friends faith, um, which I think is a huge, um, just a story that can teach us a lot about how to be with people in crisis um, and not, and not try to, to uh, tell them what to feel, but yet, our faith for others is very, very important. Yeah. So I guess it's just a matter of how you verbalize it. I think you have to be careful because you can come across very superficial. Mm-hmm. Lori, where are we going next? Is that Mark two? Is that the Roof Rippers? Yeah, the Roof Rippers. The roof Rippers? I love the Roof Rippers. Right. Yes. I love those guys too. All right, we'll take a little <laughs> break. We'll come back more with Lori Short. Uh, if you uh, have just joined us, we are in our Red Word series. So the words of Jesus, and we just finished Matthew 8, and we're going to move on to Mark chapter 2. So get your Bibles out and get a pen in hand and take some notes. We'll be right back.
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. This is that lovely time of the week where we have uh, what we call our Red Word series. We've been at it for a while. I don't know how long we're gonna, I'm going to keep doing it, but I just love the words of Jesus, and I asked my guest to talk about those words. Lori Short is my guest today, and we are going to move on to Mark chapter 2, and this is the uh, story of the roof rippers, where they get up and they start ripping off tile on top of a roof. So, Lori, let's dig into this story, which is so rich. Yes, I love this second angle that Jesus shows us in this passage that I think gives us some really big clues about God. But these guys, as you know, uh, went up on the roof and started ripping it because they couldn't get up to Jesus. The crowd was so thick and they had an agenda because they had their friend who was paralyzed and they wanted him to be healed. And I love that passion that they were willing to go all out for their friend. And we all need friends like that, I think. But of course, I'm, I love picturing what, what Jesus must have been doing while he was teaching. And this was all taking place above him. You know, maybe some of the roof was falling in on him. We don't know those details, but something about those friends struck Jesus because it was when they saw their, when he saw their faith, he acted on behalf of this man. And, and that's kind of a unique uh, starting point for Jesus, because often it's the person's faith that he is healing. But in this passage, I think what it shows us is that our faith for our friends and family matters. And that is huge for those of us who have been praying for some of those friends and family for a long, long time and wondering, do these prayers mean anything? Is God hearing me? And I think what we see in this passage is, yes, don't give up, that these guys going to the extent that they did on behalf of their friend mattered to Jesus, and he noticed it. Lori, one of the things I I believe we overlook sometimes is the courage of the man on the mat. <laughs> right. I don't know. If, did he have a choice? I mean, of course, it was very courageous. But I wonder if his friends were like, buddy, we're getting you up there. We're doing this. Let's go. Yeah, you know, you, I mean, if you... You know what it's like when friends are trying to coerce you into doing something. It's still your call. Well, that's true, except if you're paralyzed, Bill. I don't know if he had <laughs> much choice yeah. of where, where he... You know, he might have been like, I don't want to do this. But when you can't move, you can't move. So, right. But you, you, can know, still get, know. you can still get dropped from the roof. Well, for sure. That is so true. And I mean, I obviously this whole thing shows desperation. It shows the desperation of people who want a healing and they see that Jesus can possibly do this and they're willing to go all out to get it. Mm-hmm. So the man finally does get lowered in front of Jesus and he turns to, to this man on the mat and said, Sons, your, your son, your sins are forgiven. That seemed <laughs> odd, didn't it, Lori? Very odd. And that is one of the bigger insights that I point out in this passage, that the disciples, I mean, the, the people, the friends that brought their friend to Jesus 
I can't imagine that when they heard that, they were pleased. They must have looked at each other and thought, what in the world? Is that what he thought that we came for? Mm -hmm. Not that forgiveness wasn't important. I'm sure that they knew that that was important. But to go all out like this and lower their paralyzed friend right in front of him and to hear, son, your sins are forgiven, that was a different answer, I believe, than what they had prayed for. And yet that was what Jesus started with. And I think he shows us a great deal by beginning there. Uh, Laurie, I love it that Jesus mixes it up. When when Jesus encountered Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus comes up to him and Jesus said, what would you like me to do? (laughs) Exactly. And he said, I want to see. Obviously he was identified as a blind beggar with the blind beggar's coat and everything else. And, uh, Jesus still said, what do you want me to do? Now, in this case, this paralytic man is lowered on a mat, and he doesn't look at him and say, what would you like me to do? No. No. He just boldly says, your sins are forgiven. Mm -hmm. Again, imagining not just the friends, but the paralytic. I don't know what he felt, but what I sense, and reading between the lines, is that Jesus knew more of the background of his story. And maybe he had some self-blame that Mm -hmm. we all, I think we all go there. When something's wrong, what did we do for this to happen? And I think Jesus's proclamation is doing some inner work, some inner healing that the man must have needed that he knew. And I... I also know, as we see in the passage, that the Pharisees who were there observing, I'm sure it was done partly for them to see the kind of authority that they were about to watch. Because I think if he had just done the physical healing, they would have been fine with that. Mm -hmm. They would have thought, wow, okay, this guy's a great teacher, a great healer. But when he said, your sins are forgiven, again, just like the passage we looked at before, he's taking himself to a new level by saying these words. And now the Pharisees and the teachers of the law know that nobody has the authority to forgive sins other than God. And so Jesus is aligning himself once more with God before he does this healing. And I I also think it makes a statement about the kind of healing that we find to be more spectacular versus the kind of healing that God finds to be the most spectacular. And that's the inner healing that happens to us, the spiritual healing, because that is the everlasting healing that we not only experience here on this earth, but we experience after this earth. It's the the kind of work that God is doing within us, the spirit. Uh, And I, you know, because you think about healing is temporary because eventually we all die. 10 out of 10 die. And so even if you're healed from the cancer or from a paralysis or anything that God might answer that healing, we don't really think about this, but it is temporary. It's not as big as the everlasting impact of spiritual healing. When you receive forgiveness or when you receive peace after a lifetime of turmoil and you experience like the peace that we talked about from the other passage, when you can actually experience, I mean, those are the things that you take with you when you go. 
And so they really are the bigger thing, even though they're not the most spectacular. We love to see the healings. That That's what shows us kind of the magical part of what God can do. But God is always prioritizing what's the most important, what's going to last. I love how gritty Jesus was in that moment because to say your sins are forgiven and for the Pharisees to hear that, that's those are like, them are fighting words, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, you know, from that point on, they were not pleased with Jesus <laughs> at all. Right. So that, that was kind of when the lines were drawn right then. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, I think it's interesting with the other red words that Jesus says, he he knows what everybody's thinking. And he says, why are you saying these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins, take up your mat and walk. So it's, it's interesting that he talks about what the Pharisees are thinking. We, you know, again, we don't know exactly what they said out loud. They were probably afraid to say anything, but he knows their thoughts. He knows perfectly well why he said those things because he was showing them who he was. I'm Mm -hmm. not just a teacher. I'm not just a healer. I'm bigger than that. Yeah. I love in your book, you remind us all that this healing is an opportunity for Jesus to, again, showcase his spiritual authority, but even more so when he says your sins are forgiven. That was uh, incredible spiritual authority that he was showcasing in front of that very crowded house, and that included the Pharisees. That's right. And I, I think even just thinking about the inner healing that that man might have experienced with those words before he got up and was able to walk the inner healing of knowing that he is forgiven, that it's not his fault, that he didn't do anything, that God is not mad at him, that God loves him. And the kind of far-reaching effect that we receive when we get healed in those ways that we don't see visibly in each other, but when we get that kind of spiritual healing, it has far-reaching Effects in our lives. It affects the way we treat others. It affects the way we live. It affects so much about our life to get that kind of spiritual healing. And so I think, along with showcasing his authority, he was giving this man a huge gift in those words. Yeah. And then he walked out in full view of them all. And I love, yeah. I love your point again that you, you make in your book. Um, Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing uh, by Laurie Short, where you say, though they were likely astonished by what they saw of the man's physical healing, Jesus made it clear that it was what the people couldn't see that the man needed most. That's right. And that's all of us. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, after this encounter, like so many of Jesus's stories in the Gospels, there's a new understanding of God every time something happens. And so Jesus embodies so many of the questions that we have about God and why he's not doing this or why he is doing this or why does he act this way or how come it feels like he's not involved or why does he work this way or why did he give me this when I asked for this? 
so many of those questions are answered by these stories that we see in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Lori, what happens when people experience inner peace after a lifetime of turmoil? Well, that's what I talk about in terms of the far-reaching impact. I mean, if you think about just being in turmoil all of the time, that's a very self-focused way of living because you have so much to deal with and handle in your own self. It's very difficult to actually be uh, there for somebody else or uh, have care for somebody else. But when you have peace inside yourself, the way you are to others is incredibly healing because you bring that with you wherever you go. I always say you take yourself with you everywhere you go. So whatever you're dealing with, the people around you are probably dealing with too. And so when God does heal those things, you don't have to be as self-focused anymore. You can be others-focused, which is, I think, God's deepest desire for all of us. Mm -hmm. And Lori, one of the takeaways from this story in your book, and we'll wrap up and then go to break, is you say that we also learn in this passage that the faith we carry for our friends may be more significant than we imagine. Well, I think that's one of the great observations of this passage, because these friends literally moved heaven and earth to get their friend to Jesus. And I don't know about you, but there are so many times when I'm tempted to just give up. Well, God's not answering this prayer. I guess that person is never going to come to God or, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is ever going to happen. I've been praying so long. I think what this passage shows is don't stop. God hears you and hears the prayers that you are giving on behalf of other people. And in this passage, he honors those prayers. Yeah. Well, let us all be encouraged because we all have people that we love and we're praying for. Don't give up. Don't give up. Mm. Your faith and your friendship mean the world. And so don't be discouraged. We're going to take a break. We'll come back more with Lori Short. Her book is Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing, 30 Biblical Insights About the Way God Works. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. I'm back with Lori Short. We're talking about our Red Word series. And I I can't say I've saved my favorite passage for the last part of our show, but this is one of my favorites. And it comes from Luke chapter 8. And you Mm -hmm. talk about this in your book that God's agenda is different than yours. That's always a good reminder. (laughs) But it talks about uh, Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Let's talk about this story. I think this story has so many layers to it. I love the story too, Bill. I I love that it's about two people. And actually, I even put the the third character would be the crowd because I think they all get something different 
out of what happens in this passage, but the famous story of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, coming to Jesus on behalf of his daughter, who is very, very sick. And so this crowd has developed as they're heading towards Jairus's house, presumably because Jairus is someone of importance. And then there's this woman who is unnoticed and thinks to herself, if I can just touch his cloak, maybe I'll be healed. And you think about how long she had been in her condition. And she, I just picture her arm in the crowd and, and just her thoughts thinking, there's no way he's going to know I'm even here, but maybe I'll just catch him on the edge. And to to think that Jesus would stop at that moment and say, who touched me with all of the people around him, that he would notice this woman's touch and what she must have felt. I don't know if she was terrified, but she was suddenly the center of attention. And Jesus not only heals her, but wants to hear her story. And she begins to tell him more about, you know, it says she told she told him her whole truth. And so presumably this happens over a long period of time because during the course of this event, uh, Jairus's daughter passes away. And I am just thinking about Jairus. While, while all this is happening, I'm thinking about how anxious he must have been that Jesus was taking this time with this woman, not that he didn't want her to be healed, but I don't know if you've ever felt that feeling of come on, hurry up. What? Uh, just the desperation. Oh. And then, and then to hear, you know, that your, your daughter has died. The very thing that you feared has actually happened. Every, it's, yeah. Every triage nurse would say, go to the girl with the fever. Right. And I'm sure the whole crowd was feeling that. Yeah. I don't, you know, I, I can't, I mean, they were all there because of him, not because of her. They didn't even know she was there. And suddenly she's the center of attention, this woman who had no attention. And I always say that God is up to something a lot more than we think all the time. <laughs> it's not just how he, he it's not just the fact that he heals, mm -hmm. it's how he heals. And I think that is so apparent in this passage. And I love that he grabs Jairus right after he hears that his daughter's died and says, don't be afraid, believe. And I can't even imagine the desperation of a parent hearing those words after you've heard that your daughter is dead. But I'm sure there was a part of him that wanted to believe Jesus mm -hmm. and not believe that his daughter had died. But, you know, just what he experiences, of course, is going to be more than he prayed for, which I think is so often the case when we are forced to wait long periods of time or when we have to go through things we get more than we asked for. A lot of times that's how God works. And I think that's what was going to happen here. And he was, you know, Jesus's intent was not just to heal the daughter, but to raise her from the dead so that Jairus's faith would be different as a synagogue leader. And I, I again, you just see so much of what God is doing and up to in this passage, raising the self-esteem of this woman who felt so unimportant and was probably halfway being trampled by everybody around her and had been sitting with this disease for so long and finally feels the healing come to her body and for him to stop 
and give her all his attention <laughs> is it's just so beautiful it's such a beautiful picture of god in that moment and prioritizing Lori, her yeah and Lori, of course she's putting herself at, at risk uh, when she's entering the community and and being a unclean person and approaching a man and i'm sure she wanted to do a little touch and run she didn't really want to have to deal with anything other than if there's some magical power I'm going to get from touching yeah. his garment, I want it, and I want to get away from him. Yes, yes. And, and I Jesus, mean, her desperation. Yeah. I was just going to say her desperation is clear. I clear. mean, it was just like, I, I got to do this. Yeah. Yeah, and then Jesus has something much bigger for her. And then you look at Jairus, who's kind of Mr. Big Shot, and- he is a person of such high profile. It's almost unthinkable that Jesus isn't dropping everything he's going to do to help Jairus's dying daughter. It's almost well, medical I... malfeasance to think that you're not racing to her side, but Jesus can obviously uh, heal a disease or bring a little girl back from the dead. Both are easy for him. Well, I think that so much is going on in this passage when you think about it, because that's exactly right. She got her healing. Jesus didn't have to stop. Mm -hmm. Why did he stop? Why did he turn the attention to her and give her that much more than the healing? You know, it was like this emotional and psychological healing that was happening from a person who has been so shunned right. by her disease. And now she is in the middle of the crowd and has done something she's not supposed to do. And he is calling her daughter. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Daughter, Jesus is calling this woman. That, I mean, I can't imagine what the, that must have felt like to her and what happened inside of her. Not only her bleeding stopped, but, oh, her heart was healed. And for Jairus, I think he was given the lesson that a lot of us need to get. And that is, some of us think these outer things make us more important as people. And that is not how God sees us. God sees us all as his children. And I think that the crowd learned that that day. For, for Jesus to do this when they expected him to go, like you said, and hop to, mm -hmm. to this man's house and do this healing and everybody was going to watch. But what's so beautiful is that he wasn't pushing Jairus aside. He was going to give Jairus more than he asked for. Yeah, But he had to have faith. His faith had to grow. And you just see all of the, the, the people and what's happening to each one of them. And I just think we get so many clues about God's presence through this passage. I, I couldn't agree more. This is a favorite story of mine. And I, I love the way Jesus meets needs and he does them with only the way Jesus could. That's right. And this is the first time he raises someone from the dead. So mm. once again, he goes from calming a storm to raising someone from the dead. And so his power is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger for those who are around to witness it. The other thing that's kind of a nuance of this passage that I don't know if you've noticed, but so this woman receives her healing in front of everybody, but Jairus gets his miracle in front of a very small group of people. Mm -hmm. Jesus actually tells the crowd to stay outside and only takes 
Peter and John with him and the family. So they're the only ones that see what happens. Now it's going to be his word telling everybody what happens. So So he's going to have to bear witness to this. His faith is going to grow through this. And since he had an ear to the Pharisees, it's just interesting to see that that Jesus wanted him to experience it this way. Mm, So good. Well, I had a couple more prayer requests that have come in, and there are some financial needs, of course, and some uh, health needs and some spiritual attack needs. Um, Lori, with just uh, about 45 seconds left, would you pray one more time? Yes. So we do pray for these needs, all of them that you see, Lord. And whether they're financial or spiritual or relational um, or physical, God, we we just put them before you with the knowledge of this passage that you are at work in ways that we can't imagine, that you are at work in so many layers of our lives, teaching us so much about who you are and who you always will be. And I just thank you for Jesus and what he shows us about you. And I pray that each one who's given their request would know that you are with them, that you Even if it appears that you don't care that you do, or if you're answering in a different way than what they want, you have something for them in this. And I pray that each person feels that and knows that and comes to know what you are doing in their crisis right now. So God, would you just be with them, each person who has given their request, you know them just as you knew that woman. And your eye is on them right now. And I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Lori. Great having you on the show. And thank you for joining our Red Word series. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Lori Short, it's been my guest. Her book is Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing, 30 Biblical Insights About the Way God Works. That's our show for the day. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to being with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.